Happy Valentine's Day. Now, I want to begin today with something of the utmost spiritual importance, something that I feel compelled to say that's come upon me by the Spirit, and that is, go Bucks! Huzzah! I have been a lifelong suffering Bucks fan. Fun fact, that's because of ours, Charlie Vancher. He coached my peewee flag football team called the Buccaneers. I started rooting for him, and it has been a miserable experience ever since. So, hallelujah. If you don't like this part, too bad. I've got the microphone. That's on y'all. And thank you, God, for Tom Brady. Amen. Hallelujah. Anyway, let's get back to business. Today's the final week of our series, Rhythms of the Garden, where we've been sitting with Genesis 1 and 2 in the Garden of Eden and exploring how it invites us to rediscover the vision and rhythms for life that we were created to have, and that we as disciples of Jesus are invited to rediscover and adopt here and now, to be shaped by, back into pockets of Eden here on earth. And we've looked at these visions and rhythms of creativity, relationship, and work. And today we turn to one final topic that lies underneath and intersects with all the others. And that is rest, as it is found in the Garden of Eden. It's a fascinating topic. Now, for the majority of my life, I thought rest was simple. It was just simply the absence of work. Whether it was watching cartoons with cereal as a kid on Sunday morning, sleeping as a college student after studying and partying, or watching TV after a long day of work as a young professional, the definition of rest was the same in each one. Rest was simply whenever I was not working. And I believed that until I was about 23. You see, for two years after college, I worked in HR at the state and had come to this crossroads. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life, but I was sure that this wasn't it, that I didn't want to do this forever. So I saved enough money to survive for about eight months, and I quit my job without any other prospects really in mind. Now, in my mind, I was taking this time for two crucial reasons. First, I just wanted to try some different things to see if anything stuck, to see if I found my passion by just going out into the world. And second, I just needed to rest, I thought. I needed a break from work because I had worked and gone to school for pretty much my entire life. So over six months, I did a number of things. I volunteered with Porch de Solomon in Guatemala. I hiked the Blue Ridge Mountains. I spent many days hiking with my dog here in Tallahassee and many nights watching TV shows and movies. I actually caught up pretty much on the majority of HBO's catalog, from The Sopranos to The Wire, and also just about every movie I had heard was great and missed because of work over my years of life. I even applied to seminary at the end of this time. All that to say, according to my definition of rest, the absence of work, I definitely rested, perhaps more than I ever had in my life. And yet, at the end of those six months, I felt as exhausted as I ever have. Despite experiencing the truest absence of work, I felt worn out spiritually and emotionally, disconnected from God, unsure what he wanted me to do, and really burned out. I felt 
worn out relationally, lonely and attached for romantic and friendship relationships. And I still felt directionless. I determined to go to seminary, but only loosely because I thought I might want to work at a church one day. Mostly, I just loved higher education. I missed it, and I wanted to better understand the Bible, and that was the best way I knew how. Truthfully, I came out of that season of rest more tired than going into it. And though it created many memories I'm incredibly fond of, especially my time with Porch de Solomon in Guatemala, my biggest realization from this season was that my definition of rest was just plain wrong. A realization that began an obsession for me that has lasted years, trying to discover what true rest really is. How do I find true rest and practice it in my life? What is rest actually for? And I don't have all the answers, I'm sorry. I know that's a sin for a pastor to say. But I have come to believe that true biblical rest exists and that it's far bigger and more holistic than I had ever believed over the course of my life and that it's grounded here in Eden, that we find the beginning of rest at the beginning of the biblical story in this vision of Eden rest that I want to explore today. Now, to do so, let's start with the two statements about rest found in these two creation accounts within Genesis that we've been studying. The concept of rest is first mentioned at the end of Genesis's first account. Remember, in this account, we find this universe-level view of creation. God creates everything over six poetic, symbolic days, and each day follows the same pattern. God says, let there be blank, sky, land, creatures, and then he creates it and declares it to be good. And each of the six days ends with this same statement. I want you to keep this in mind. It ends with, and there was evening, and there was morning, the blank day. Essentially, thus ends day one, two, three, four, five, six. Six days follow this pattern. God speaks, God creates, God calls it good, the day ends. But then we get to the seventh, final day of the account. We read in Genesis 2.1, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God completes his work and then rests from his work. And this word for rest is interesting. It's the Hebrew word Shabbat. It means to cease or to stop. In other words, God rests by ceasing from the work of the previous six days because creation is completed. His work has reached its intended purpose. And remember, this doesn't mean that God's finished with creation. We explored this last week. It's the image of God completing creation so that it's ready to become what he intended this abundant space of life that can continue to expand and be filled with more and more life. And as he looks at it, he blesses it. He makes the seventh day holy or set apart for divine purpose. And what is that divine purpose? For creation to be a space where life continues to thrive. In other words, just get this in your, 
Get this in your mind. Imagine God finishing his work to create, stopping, sitting back, gazing contently and lovingly at his good creation, this work of his hands, seeing that it's exactly as it should be, as he intended it to be, and letting out a sigh of satisfaction. That's the image in the seventh day. This rest is the culmination of the account, what the whole creation account has been building towards. It's a beautiful image, but did you catch the difference between the seventh day and the other six? It's a small detail, but this seventh day doesn't conclude with the statement, and there was evening and there was morning the seventh day. It's the only day that doesn't have that statement at the end of its pattern. In other words, unlike the other six days, this seventh day doesn't end. And that's interesting. What are we supposed to do with that? Maybe it's a typo, right? I don't think so. But maybe we should look at rest in the second account in Genesis to see if that helps our understanding of what's going on. Recall from last week, the second account parallels the first, but focuses and zooms in on the creation of humanity. Like the first, God creates space for life that culminates in the creation of humanity, which, keep in mind, if it's paralleling that first account, what should this act of making humanity be followed by? Rest, right? And it is. It's actually in the same text from the uh, text that we looked at last week when we were studying Eden work, Genesis 2.15, where we read, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. Now you're probably like, Pastor Mike, rest isn't mentioned in this text. All I see is the word work. And that's a great point. I mean, you're wrong, but I get why you'd say that. Rest saturates this text, but you miss it in English. You see, the word put here is the Hebrew word nuach, which is another word that's better translated as rest. God took humanity and rested them in the garden to work it and to take care of it. Nuach is the rest we experience when we're settled in, when we settle into a peaceful, stable, secure, safe environment. It's different but related to Shabbat from Genesis 1, which makes sense because to nuach, to settle in, you have to first Shabbat or stop working. You can't rest by settling onto your couch after a long day of work if you don't stop working, correct? That's what's going on here. In both accounts, what we're getting at culminate with rest in some way, shape, or form. God rests at the completion of his work and humanity rests when God settles them into creation, the stable, secure, safe environment he's created for them. This is what rest was intended to be. And when you look at it in its totality, it's way more than the absence of work. This divine, never-ending, seventh-day Eden rest wasn't just something we were supposed to do every now and again. It was intended to be the constant state of of creation, that humanity existed, worked, and thrived fully within, within every moment, within everything they do. 
living every moment in an environment and a reality defined fully by wholeness, rightness, peace, contentment, provision, and trust. It's a vision of rest that's not rest from activity. It's rest found in every activity. It's this image where we can experience creativity in a way that's restful, where it's an act of joyful fulfillment, not a burden. It's the experience of relationships as restful, whole, right, loving, not controlling or abusive. It's the experience of work that's restful, done in response to God's provision and care, not for survival, not to scratch out our bare minimum for life. True rest experienced when humanity lives and works in full union with God and each other. When they accept and trust his provision and respond to it with divine work, where they exist contently within his safe, secure, and good creation. I mean, this is a very different image of rest than just an absence of work. It's a rest where humanity experiences growth and stability, effort and provision, activity and peace, work and rest, all at once, both and. It's this holistic rest that saturates everything we do. It's the air we breathe in the Garden of Eden. It's beautiful. But as we've explored numerous times in this series, humanity rebels against God and his vision for their life. And like everything else, the seventh day rest is shattered. And God bringing us back to Eden and back to its seventh day rest becomes a crucial and a central direction and part of his story. When God's people are liberated from slavery in Egypt, God says he's leading them from bondage to rest once more. When God seeks to reshape them through his law, but specifically the Ten Commandments, to make them into a pocket of Eden, here on earth, to make them into a people who draw the nations back to God, who push forward his story of healing for our world. Check this out. The fourth commandment goes like this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Do you remember that language? Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor any animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In the same covenant, where God teaches his people how to rediscover Eden, where he teaches them how to reject the things that have broken our world, murder, lying, adultery, greed. God commands them to every week practice Eden rest. That's how important this is to his people becoming who he intended them to be. To every week practice the discipline of rest, interrupting their lives one day a week to experience rest as he did in creation, to every week remember who God is through rest, remembering who they rely on and trust that it's God in his loving provision and generosity that sustains their lives in the universe, not the effort of their hands. 
to every week reflect on the hope of rest, looking forward to where God's taken his story and them to the return of Eden, the return of true rest for everything and everyone once more. God builds rest into his people's very sense of time because he thinks this is so important. If they're going to become an Eden people, they have to learn how to rest like they did in Eden once again because he knows we need this if we are going to become what he wants us to be, pockets of Eden on earth and how we live our lives. He knows that we so often misplace our identity, purpose, trust, and value in the labor of our hands, what we make, what we produce, what we control, that we so often in this egotistical way can believe and delude ourselves into thinking that we are the center of our universe, that we hold it all together. God knows that we are addicted through trying to control our lives and our world through constant productivity, forgetting who we are, who sustains us, who gives us value, our creator, God. And he knows that this makes us so anxious, self-centered, obsessive, and sick. Does it not? Does anyone know that feeling where they just struggle and they, it's a rat race and they're just trying to hold everything together. They're trying to keep all the plates spinning and they just get sick. Do you know what that feels like? And it's not who we are created to be. It's not who we are at the beginning. It's not who we're called to be now as an Eden people on earth. And thus we shouldn't be surprised that when God works to renew all things through Jesus we shouldn't be surprised that that includes an invitation back to true rest at its center. I mean, Jesus saw this rest as a crucial aspect of his kingdom invitation and work. As he says in Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me and find true rest again. And notice he doesn't say he's going to give us rest by taking away all of our burdens, all of our hard circumstances, all of our work. He says, come to me and find rest within those things. Find this rest that you can hold on to within this broken world, within any broken circumstance. Jesus invites us to rediscover Eden rest through him, not as an absence of work, but as a posture that we can hold in everything we do, as the air we breathe. This rest that we can learn to experience in every part of our lives. And y'all, like I said at the beginning, I don't have the answers. I don't have them all. But I have learned to experience pieces of this vision and these rhythms of Eden rest in pockets of my life. I think first I've learned that to experience Nuwak, God settling, settling me into that trust, security, and safety, I have to first practice Shabbat 
stopping. Whether I want to or not, I have to learn to stop periodically if I'm going to be rested by God in my life, work, relationships, in my own skin. Eden rest isn't just a switch I can flip when I want to. It's grown. It's developed through obediently practicing rest in the everyday rhythms of my life. Through regular, planned, intentional times where I stop trying to create my security through the work of my hands and trust God to do that work for me. And what that's meant for me is a few things. More than anything, it's meant practicing the rhythms of eat and rest daily, weekly, and yearly. Beginning every day with eat and rest way earlier than I want to. Starting my day at 5 a.m. to quietly stop, pray, meditate, rest, and sit with God, to be settled in by, with God as I go into my world. And y'all, I hated waking up that early when I started. But what I've learned is this. I can't expect to find rest or peace during the chaos of my day if I never found it at the beginning of my day. I have to start my day with rest in order to take it out into my crazy world. Otherwise, I got no shot. I've also learned that every week, I have to do my best to Shabbat, to stop, to take a full day off from work when I can. Practicing rest that's not just the absence of work, but rather doing things that fill me spiritually, that give me rest for my soul. Hiking, journaling, being creative, not for others, not to produce and trying to give myself value, but for the sole purpose of experiencing soul rest. And I've learned to seek this rest every year through extended periods of rest. Sometimes there's a retreat or I go to a silent monastery, but usually it's hiking at a national park away from everything with my wife, restfully experiencing the beauty of God's creation together. Second, I've learned that at first, eating rest will feel pointless, humiliating, and scary. Believe me, I remember when I first Sabbathed, a full day without work or, for, or production for anyone else, just hiking alone in silence for myself with God. And y'all, I felt uncomfortable and my brain went insane. I desperately wanted to check email, work, produce something. It was a full-fledged assault on my ego's belief that I'm the center of the universe and that everything would fall apart without me. It was an assault on my ego's sense of value, that I can know I'm valuable when I'm needed, when I produce things for others. It was an assault on my ego's frantic obsession with my own security. My mind kept saying, you shouldn't be doing this right now. You should be using this time to make money, to make more control, to get more recognition. What are you doing? I mean, it felt pointless and it was scary because it revealed all this stuff going on inside of me. But above all, it was humiliating for my ego because I returned to work that next day and guess what? Everything was fine. The universe hadn't stopped without me. Apparently, I'm not the one holding everything together. And I hated learning that. But in obedience, I kept at this practice. And these practices daily, weekly, annually 
have become the most crucial part of my spirituality, growth, and health. That morning practice of rest reminds me daily that my peace and my rest are determined by my internal world, not my circumstances. That God, not my ego, is at the center of my life. And that if I find him with me first thing to start my day, I can more easily find him with me out there when my day goes bonkers. And that has given me more peace and more rest in the rhythms of my life than I ever thought was possible. My Sabbath reminds me that, again, I don't actually sustain my existence. It's given by God's grace and provision, and I respond to those things. And that my life isn't about me. I'm not the center of or responsible for sustaining the universe. God is. He's in control. He's directing it back towards Eden, not me. And that's good news. Because it means I just get to be part of what he's doing. I'm not the one directing everything. That's good news. And my extended rest each year reminds me of what really matters. That my most important ministry, task, and purpose isn't production for others. It isn't to be a cog in a machine. It's my family. And mirroring God in my relationships to my wife and my daughter in this limited time I have. It's inconvenient, humbling, terrifying, but totally worth it. And it helps us break those addictions to control, to productivity, to work. It reminds us that our identity, value, and meaning come from God, not what we produce with our hands. And that our lives aren't our own. They're a gift from our Creator. And I don't know about y'all, but in those truths, I find rest not from, but in my work, my play, my relationships, in my own skin. And finally, I've learned that the order of life in Eden is rest first, then everything else. Eden rest was meant to be what we do everything else within. We are settled first and then we work it is holistic, all-encompassing in the first word of our lives. We have to find it first, grounding ourselves in God and his love and his generosity and his provision and his grace first, before we go out into our world to try to do his work. Otherwise, we so often go out into that world trying to work in our own ways, for our own purposes, for our own will, for our own control, and we try to create these false Eden environments that are built on our own security, on our control, and it just doesn't work. We just get sick. We just break ourselves and others. We must always remember that it's from and within Eden rest that we can actually do Eden work, that we can actually take part in God's Eden action in the world. From Eden rest, we nurture our capacity for restful relationships, finding rest in relationships defined by reconciliation, forgiveness, releasing resentments, releasing expectations, surrendering control, allowing people to be free and loving them as they are. From Eden rest, we nurture our capacity to do restful mission, finding rest in action, by seeking God's vision of goodness through how we restfully pursue justice, allies, support, 
and seeking others' good above our own without burning out in the process. From Eden rest, we nurture our capacity to find restful healing, finding the rest of healing from our past wounds, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. From Eden rest, we nurture our capacity to find restful generosity, learning to rest by trusting God's provision, seeing all we have as gifts given to us to steward, and then giving them away to bless others. That's the invitation of Eden, and it's to find this rest for our soul in every rhythm of our life, in our creativity, relationships, work, in our rest, in everything. So as we close this series, I just want to ask you, where do you feel burdened and weary? Where do you need to surrender and find true Eden rest? Is it your creativity, your relationship, your work? Is it in your healing and recovery? Because that's the invitation. That's Eden. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that is good news. Amen. Amen.